Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we'll spend our time in verses 26 through 42 of the 14th chapter in Mark. Have you ever sworn something like, well, I will never do such and such, and then done it? That's what can happen when we rely on our own strength as fallen human beings. Sometimes we make statements like this because of strong emotions in the moment, or we really do think that we alone have the power to overcome our own inherent weakness in especially difficult circumstances. Well, before we start throwing stones at Peter for the failure we'll begin to look at this week, we should realize we are made of the same stuff and possess all the same weakness. The good news is, as believers in Christ, we don't ever have to rely on our own strength to stand in difficult times. We can lean into his strength. And when we do fail in this way, as we all have, the better news is, Jesus won't let us fall into a place that we deserve, where there is no hope. He sustains us. Here is today's segment of the sermon entitled, Dismal Night for the Disciples. So as we look at this text, and I, I'm kind of focusing on the disciples, it was a dismal night for the disciples. As you see their frailty, see also God's majesty. Remember, Jesus is in charge of all of this. Nothing frustrates the plan of God. So he says to them, after he says you're going to be scattered, verse 28, but after I have been raised... I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Guess what? That's exactly how it happened, just as he promised. We're going to study it when we come to the resurrection, the resurrection text in, in Mark, when we get there. What you're about to hear next is going to sound like an echo of something that you've already heard. We saw it earlier in Mark. Peter tried to forbid Jesus from going to the cross if you read Matthew's version of it, it's the time when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're saying. Well, Peter leads the charge again to protest what Jesus has just said. You're all going to be scattered, but don't worry. After I'm raised from the dead, I will go before you into Galilee. Look at verses 29 through 31. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, he zeroes in on Peter. You're going to see in a moment they're all saying this. He zeroes in on Peter. He says, truly, I say to you that this very night, before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they were all saying the same thing also. Now, they were led by Peter. Peter's always the one with the biggest mouth. He's always the one who speaks most brashly. But they were all saying the same thing. If you or I were there, we'd have probably said the same thing. And we probably would have been trampling the other disciples to get away 
when they came and arrested Jesus. They all needed to learn very important spiritual principle, the lesson of never and always. It goes something like this. Never tell God you will never do something. Look, if it's, if it's something bad that you never want to do, lean on His grace, declare your faithfulness. But if you say, I'll never do that, you're just inviting the world, the flesh, and the devil to tempt you as you've never been tempted before to, to lure you in. If it's something good that you never want to do, um, God's likely going to lead you into it someday just to show you His power. I remember when I said to a, a young lady, after I get my degree, I'm going to be going to seminary. Um, I hope you will marry me. But don't worry, I'm not going to be a pastor or a missionary. Here we sit about a half century later, a pastor totally in love with missions, a wife totally in love with that pastor. By the way, she said, don't worry, I have no intention to be a wife of a pastor or a missionary. Look, that's the spiritual lesson of never. Never tell God that you will always be faithful to something. Because I know you. You'll fail. And if you've been so pompous enough to say, I will always be faithful, and then you fail, you're just going to make yourself all the more miserable because of the self-condemnation and the humiliation brought unto you by your pomposity. Just, just be faithful. Just, just obey the Lord. Just walk with Him a day at a time. Like I said, Peter's the one with the biggest mouth. So he's the one that was the exhibit A for all of this. And notice that Jesus essentially said, okay, Peter, you guys, look at your watches. They didn't really have watches, but Jesus gave them a time reference. In that culture, nighttime was divided into four segments or four watches. Six to nine, roughly, was evening. Nine to twelve was generally called midnight. Twelve to three was rooster crowing. You know, it's a myth that the rooster next door crows just when you want to get up. They start way too early, right? And then three through six was, was morning. So Jesus was in essence saying to Peter, and bear in mind, this was probably approaching midnight when they went to that garden. He's telling Peter, look at your watch. Before about 3 a.m., you're going to deny me three times. That's exactly what happened. We'll see it more when we continue through Mark. You know what Peter was doing? He was looking in the eye of God and saying, you're wrong. Nope, I'm not going to mess up. Big mistake to talk like that and Peter was such a leader, and they were all so zealous, they all jumped onto the bandwagon. And interesting, Jesus didn't say anything like, get behind me, Satan. Didn't argue with him. He just let it play out exactly as it needed to for them to learn what they needed to learn. So in this dismal night for the disciples, it starts with, we will die with you. Oh, but first, we need a nap. 
Jesus comes to the garden. It's called Gethsemane, which means wine press. There's a wine press or oil press there. It was a garden probably owned by a follower of Jesus who always let him have access to it. Yeah, it's got, like I said, it's John 18.2 that tells us that Judas knew that place because Jesus often met with his guys there. So Jesus comes to the garden. He leaves eight of the eleven that are with him at the entrance. Takes Peter, James, and John with him further into the garden to a, a more secluded place, place to pray. Pick it up with me at verse 32. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And he took with them Peter and James and John, and he began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them. And he fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, the Aramaic for dad, father, saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knew this was coming. He'd known all along that this was coming. The week had been building up to it. But this is the point at which the suffering of Jesus Christ on your behalf began to reach its crescendo as it did from here on. Now, as a man, Jesus was the God-man, fully human, fully divine. As a man... He knew the pain that he was about to endure. He knew what crucifixion was. Unthinkably excruciating. As God, he knew the plan of redemption and the necessity to go through with that plan. And in this majestic and, we'll have to admit, inscrutable display that he was the God-man, Jesus poured out his heart to the Father. What's he praying? If there's any other way to do this, let me find it. Now, it wasn't just crucifixion. Remember when he was on the cross? He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the moment at which he was bearing all all that sin. He's saying, I I can't fathom that. Um, He was perfectly obedient to the plan. Uh, He knew there was no other way, but nevertheless, it was indescribable agony for him to go through it. It's at this point when Jesus dropped off the 11 at the front gate and took the other three with him and went and prayed further. That's, that's where Dr. Luke records that Jesus prayed fervently to the point of sweating. You ever prayed that fervently? I admit, I don't think I have unless it was really hot. He was praying to the point of sweating and there was blood mixed with the sweat, probably the result of blood vessels bursting by the agony of his soul 
faced with taking on the sins of the world. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.